Welcome to the Insurance Marketing Organization Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews IMO experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their IMOs, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Randy Schwantz, author of four books on selling insurance and financial services and president of the Wedge Group, a business performance and sales consulting firm. His unique sales strategy, The Wedge, has been embraced by hundreds of companies and thousands of professionals throughout the United States and Canada. Randy, thanks so much for joining us. You bet, man. How you doing? I am fantastic. Thanks for asking. Let's go back in time a little bit. How'd you get started? That's a long time ago, dude. That's like 30 years ago. How did I get started? Uh, yeah, truth be known, I was a mediocre sales guy. So then I took a bunch of sales training. One of the, and then I finally ended up going to work for one of those guys and kind of came to the recognition, man, if he can make a living doing this, so can I. And um, so I got on the phone and started cold calling and you know, one of my first clients was an insurance agency, and that guy convinced me how to focus on this at a niche, and here we are 30 years later. Okay, I know the longer version of that is in the books. Let's talk, uh, we'll fast forward a little bit. Tell us a little bit about The Wedge. Well, The Wedge, in fact, I got my three little buddies back here. The Wedge is really a, a process to bust the incumbent relationship. You look at almost all the sales training out there, they will say to you it's about building relationships, taking a consultative approach. It's all correct. But nobody deals with the bad guy. This is the bad guy right here. And that's the guy that right now controls the account and has got your money. So it's great if you build a relationship, but if you can't bust that relationship, you're probably going to get rolled. They're going to steal your ideas, take it, and you won't get paid. And you won't grow. So it's all about busting the incumbent relationship. All right. So obviously we want everybody to go get the book. We don't want you to give away all the secret sauce, but what are just some of the highlight high level overview in terms of how we go about disrupting or wedging that wedging our way in? Well, yeah, just to make it even more specific, you can see the little Legos here right next to this. The Legos really represent converting people's idealistic view of themselves you know, we care, we're knowledgeable, we're going to be there for you, we're going to take care of you, and then also what I call reactive service. To convert those into to distinct proactive services, things that you do that the incumbent's not doing, and that's where your buyer is being underserved but doesn't know it. So you define those proactive services, you change the way you ask questions, the buyer comes to their own discovery, they're being underserved by the bad guy, uh, you work them through some other little psychological hoops to make them comfortable with telling their buddy that it's over and you'll win a lot more business. That makes a lot of sense. What are, uh, you've had, you've helped so many professionals. What are some of your favorite case studies or kind of magical transformations that have occurred because of the systems that you've invented? Oh, man, I think about a guy named Austin that when I met him, he had a $300,000 book of business, 300 accounts. We took him through both the one process we call seven steps to seven figures, made him start thinking about that, looking at his book, the value of it. Anyway, to fast forward that story, about three and a half, four years later, he went from 
300,000 to about 1.2 million. He went from 300 accounts down to about 35. Wow. So he quadrupled his book with 10% of the accounts. That's a pretty amazing story. Yeah, I was going to say that's why I'm a little speechless there. That's one heck of a result. I know there are other things that you teach and share and provide beyond just the concept of how to, you know, disrupt their current relationship. Talk a little bit about how we can hire the right folks in our company the first time. Yeah, so that's another big old can of worms. I mean, the challenge most people have with hiring is, I mean, if you, if you look at like a salesperson, most people who are trying to hire don't have near enough many people. They don't have enough people in their funnel to be able to talk to. So then they start to feel needy and they're afraid they're going to miss out. And so they put a square peg in a round hole. So that's the first thing, the psychological piece. They're not attracting enough talent to even interview. But then once they attract somebody, their story for why the industry, why their firm, why them is weak. They made that they kind of do the whole thing. It's what my grandpa started this deal and blah, blah, blah. And so it's just not compelling. I got a friend in Fort Worth, Texas named Rusty that was amazing at telling a story, what I call kind of a recruiting story that would get producers or, or potential salespeople almost drooling. Like, how do I get to go to work for you? And you need to get that set up. And then the next piece is the assessment. Instead of assessing most people that are in the hiring process are actually selling and trying to convince somebody to come to work for them rather than find out what that, what the real fabric and the character and the, the skills and all sorts of stuff of that person is. And then they end up making a bad hire and then they feel bad about themselves. Absolutely. You also provide a way to automate a lot of the touch points and tracking in our marketing. Tell us a little bit about Bignition. Well, so... Bignition was the, I mean, just all candor, it came about because I'd go into an agency and I'd go, uh, you know, hire people doing all their goals. Well, you know, we got some spreadsheets. Let me go dig them up and we'll see how they do. Okay. How long is that going to take? Well, we ought to be able to have it to you within a week or two. Okay. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, who are your top competitors and how do you rank against them? How do you do against them? Well, we don't really keep track of that, but we feel pretty good. Okay. You know, then you start working with a producer, just like the guy I told you about that went from 300 accounts to 30 accounts. He started working his clients for our introductions. So then we sit there and do some coaching, go, let's work this client. And, you know, Seth, you got this great client. This client loves you. Who do they know you want to meet? Let's build out that database. Let's coach you through what you want that person to say. And so when you start to look at all these problems, your differentiation, your goal setting, running your sales meetings, just your pure basic pipeline management and all your reports, all the typical stuff out there, Salesforce.com, Microsoft Dynamics, Pipedrive, Goldmine, HubSpot, all this sort of stuff. It's almost like a bucket, or maybe I did this. It's almost like a bucket. It's awesome. You in and you take names out and people don't like the way it is. So then they go with somebody and they go, well, can we get something like this or can put a handle on this? And it's just none of it drives the core processes that I was teaching. And so then I built a technology platform and put all my training in it. You put the two together, it's called Big Niche. And how does that, you talked a little bit, how does that get implemented? I know you provide uh, support depending on what levels the folks working with you are at. Talk a little bit kind of how you support them through that process. 
Oh man, we yeah. I mean, frankly, we do a lot. We kind of start off with a, an onboarding process where we've we've broken down 42 proactive services that match up mostly in the insurance business, breaking down loss control, claims management, all sorts of things, boom, 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 boom. Put that in there, load in all their prospects and customers. And then I basically start doing training. We take them through a number of training processes, seven habits, I mean, seven sales to seven figures, red hot introductions, full statement appointment setting, the wedge. And we cycle through that with the producers. And then we start to train the leaders and running sales meetings, hiring, driving accountability. And then you keep mashing all that stuff together and we keep supporting that. And that, that's how it goes. And so what's been beautiful about COVID is that it's made doing this stuff remote even more acceptable. So therefore, we've our support has probably gone up 400% because of that. That is absolutely incredible. Talk to us. You have so much going on. Talk to us about the other books. Well, the, I mean, so the, the book right there, The Agency Growth Machine, is really kind of a platform book. It's, I mean, when you think about the, you know, growing an agency, you need a philosophy, you need a platform, you need concrete ideas. And so really the kind of embedded in that is what I call the five steps extraordinary growth and what a leader would have to do on a sequential logical basis to really start to build this machine and get it going. Uh, that book right there called Grit, that's the how to find, hire, and develop real producers. We talked about a little bit a little while ago. On the other side over there is The Wedge, and then How to Get Your Competition Fired, another book called Red Hot Introduction. So it's just, they're all books written around all of our, our core training that leads to the kind of results. And the, the interesting thing about Seth, I mean, people that know me well would say that I'm a real low BS guy and a pretty low on hype that I get down to the truth. And so a lot of people don't like the fact that we focus on getting the competition fired. I just think it's a brutal truth. You got to do it. Otherwise you don't get an account. Well, it's financial services, banking, insurance. There's an incumbent and they got a relationship with your prospect and it's a lot better than yours. If you don't have a strategy to get them fired, you can't get hired. When we look at differentiation, which is represented by the logos, most people have been so brainwashed and indoctrinated by whatever their establishment is that, you know, when you say, that, well, we're local, we care, we're knowledgeable, we got good people, we respond. It's like, dude, do you really think that's a differentiator? It's like, get down to the nut cut and things that really make a difference. What do you think some of the biggest mistakes financial services professionals are making when it comes to trying to grow their practice? Yeah, man, you know, look, we all make a lot of mistakes, right? So this is not pointing fingers at anybody, but I think that the biggest mistake almost all of us make is not thinking through the buyer's eyes, see what they see, hear what they see, feel what they feel. And when you look at the financial services world, there is so much opportunity for confusion and BS that if you would, and, and part of it's driven by the establishment, part of it's driven by when you get a CFP all that sort of stuff. And they, they indoctrinate you to believe these things. But if you sit down and look at it from the buyer's eyes, you'd be calling BS on about half of that stuff. And so then once you did, you saw it through their eyes. One of the exercises we take a lot of people through is buyers hate what they don't understand, can't control. Make your list of that stuff. Get specific about what those things are and then go convert that into a process that makes it understandable. When you do that, that really becomes the basis of your service stack or your differentiator. And that's how you go beat your competition. Not recognizing that there's an incumbent in place, 
thinking that it's all about relationship, selling the same old pooch that everybody else is saying, those are all the mistakes, at least from the perspective I look at it, right? Absolutely. You've achieved so much success and helped your clients do so much. What's your biggest challenge now? Yeah, I think you know, my biggest challenge is, um, like a lot of people, small business, trying to run a business with our technology platform, a lot of development there with the training, a lot of development there. Marketing is a never-ending sort of cycle of trying to get stuff out, stay in people's way, uh, stay in people's view, and then hiring and building a staff. I mean, it's just, it's the life of an entrepreneur, right? It's just all that stuff. I mean, it, it never gets easier. It just gets different, it seems like. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you do? It's a lot of fun to help people win, particularly when they didn't believe they could or they never had before. We get stuff all the time. Like after people have been through the Wedge workshop, they go, Randy, you know, send an email or something like that. Hey, dude, uh, right after the workshop, I went out and did exactly what you said, taught us how to do, and I got a BOR. I've never, ever wanted to count that way, that fast. Didn't even have to quote on it. So just helping people win is a, is a pretty cool thing. It's, it's a cool high. Absolutely. You've written four amazing books. What are some of your favorite books that you read over and over again, other than your own? Yeah, ironically, my own books are not my favorite. I mean, it's like watching yourself on video. It's never really a lot of fun. But, um, you know, recently I read the book called It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Moad. I don't know how to say it, M-O-A-W-A-D. And it's really, you know, that, that book's about staying neutral. You know, don't go negative. It makes us dumb. When you sit there and try to fake positive, you know you're faking it. Like, well, I'll just go play positive. Now, if you are positive, go be positive. But going neutral is just playing the next play, doing the next thing, doing the next right thing. And um, it kind of reminds me of Nick. I'm a big fan of Nick Saban because he's such a I'm, I'm a big fan of Saban and Belichick. I just like um, I like their philosophy. Same thing with uh, – guy from San Francisco 49ers, uh, the score takes care of itself. So all that kind of psychology I like. Another book I read was uh, The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. I read that, reread that. And Seth, I had in my right hand from taking, I I literally took 200 pages of notes, literally. And kind of had this like sort of tendonitis in my hand from doing so much. And another book I like a lot is the one by Ray Dalio called Principles. It's just all that stuff, all of those are cool books. And outside of that, I don't know, I've read a bunch, but those are the things that stick in my stick in my head. Those are great recommendations. You also have uh, your own podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. We kind of moved from the podcast format, which was on the deal to more of a YouTube podcast sort of deal. But we're putting a lot of stuff up on YouTube, a lot of client interviews, you know, because there's a lot of uh, There's a, a lot of wisdom of where they've had success. And then I like, I just personally like getting into the psychology and the mindset of what it's like to be a great producer. And then also getting on the flip side of it, or what are all the fears that if we could find a way to reconceptualize those things that we're afraid of, be it picking up the phone and ask, making cold calls, be it asking a client for introduction, be it doing the right thing in a sales call to be able to kind of not let the buyer off the hook, which would cause them to roll us. It's just that that fear management sort of stuff is kind of, I, I love that because I, I see, I don't, as a part of our goal setting, Seth, and it was driven by my own personal need because you can see right there on the picture, I got four daughters. 
when they were six, four, two, a newborn was when I had my epiphany that I wouldn't make near enough money to pay for four cars, four universities, four weddings, and fund my own retirement. And so I got a financial advisor. He said I needed to save $65,000 a year, every year for 20 years. And at the moment when that happened, I was able to save about 6,500. So I don't mind telling you, man, it made me throw up. Like, are you kidding me? Well, I bring that forward to most producers are setting goals to have a decent lifestyle, but not to build this financial freedom in the future. Most producers, I'm going to say probably 95, 96, 97% are not saving near enough money to fund that future that ideally they would want if they thought about it. If they did, then that opens up the door, like, how am I going to make that kind of money, which then opens up the door to the fear, and that's where all the psychology. My whole point was you asked about the podcast. I like getting in those subjects, kind of painting that path out for people so they can go figure it out because, look, man, why do we work so hard? I mean, part of us take care of clients, but there's also a bunch of BS in that. Like I was talking to the guy today, I said, like, why would somebody want to come to work for you? He goes, well, servant leadership. I go, dude, I mean, I like the concept. I think it's overused buzzword. I think most of us are a little more selfish than that. We're just going to be honest about it. We don't have to be honest, but if we're going to be honest, we're a little more, a little more selfish than that. And people ought to be okay with thinking about what's in it for them and getting real clarity and then as they do, then that makes them better contributors to everybody else. But a lot of people never do that. So therefore, they, they become mediocre contributors to others as well. Hopefully, some of that made sense. It all made sense. We greatly appreciate your time. We know it's incredibly valuable. Where is the best place for our audience to go to learn more about you and the books and the podcast and the amazing work that you're doing? www.vwedge.net. All right. This has been Seth Green with Randy Schwantz. We'll send everybody to thewedge.net. Randy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, brother. It's good seeing you again. Likewise. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time.